And now, from somewhere in the Houston Midtown area, it's the sit down with Slick Vic. Welcome, everyone. It's the sit down with Slick Vic. Um, thanks for tuning in, everyone. Today, I'm joined with a very special guest, um, longtime friend, professional musician, doctorate in music, the very talented Dr. Sunil Gadgil. Sunil, thanks for taking the time. Um, I know during these times, you know, uh, you know, we just don't really have the time that we really want to just, you know, sit down and have a conversation. But uh, thanks for taking the time. I know you're a busy man. What it do, Vic? What it do? I'm uh, I'm very flattered that you asked me to do this. I'm uh, really looking forward to our conversation. You're right. You know, in some ways, it's been a lot harder to have conversations. But, um, you know, we used to live in the same city. We used to see each other all the time. And now... We're not that far apart, but we don't get to see each other like we used to, you know. And, uh, uh, that's that's very true. That's very true. Um, you know, obviously, you guys don't know. I've known Sunil for how long now? Over what twenty years? We met when we were fifteen. Is that right? Yeah. So yeah, about fifteen. Yeah. So yeah, but a little over twenty years. Um, you know, when I first met you, you were already playing uh, the saxophone. I, I, at that time, right? You were already playing. That's right. Um, I've been playing for like four years. I was, I was still. We were in tenth grade, I think, when we met. Five years. I, yeah. I had finished four years of playing. What? Uh, before that, uh, Sunil. You know, little Sunil. Little Sunil. What was? What was little Sunil's like aspirations? Were you always? Did you always want to do this? Was music always what, or at least something in music you always wanted to do, or was it something that just you know came with age? I think it came with age. I, I truly did not know what it was I want to do, but it wasn't something that caused me like a lot of dread or anything. I, I, you know, when I was a kid, I was just interested in things, whatever they were, music, um, sports, academic stuff. You know, if, if it was interesting and I could learn from it and I could kind of feel like I was doing a good job at it, then I was kind of into it. And, you know, it took a while, but like getting to the end of high school is the, probably when I first felt that music was starting to overtake the other things that I was interested in in my life. And it happened, it didn't happen by choice, really. I, I actually didn't even know that I wanted to major in music or do anything with that till pretty late in my senior year. Like I'd already done all my college applications, not as a music major. <laughs> and well, well, what, uh, which what, in uh... the music, in the music, like in the music college thing, like you have to usually get that done pretty early and uh for as late as i did it it's honestly a miracle that i got in that i you know was able to make something of myself to the degree that i have what uh what did you start off with the saxophone when you were young or did you transition from another instrument i did i did um in fifth grade uh they i had indicated that i would be interested in signing up for band on the choice sheet as it's called and um so there one night we all went like everybody who had checked that box went to the to the band hall in uh in the middle school and they had all these stations set up for you to try every instrument the flute the saxophone the trumpet percussion everything and um i tried a couple of instruments but i really only remember trying saxophone I'm, i know that i tried more than that but i really only remember trying that um, they asked me to list my top three choices. They had me try everything. They were like, so is this instrument like 
pretty much your number one? Is this number your number two? And I was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure they led me along pretty well to like making my decisions. They're like, wow, you sound great on that one. Why don't you? <laughs> Do you is, is that the one that is that also your favorite one? Oh, my God. What a coincidence. Kids, kids. It's a thing. Yeah, no, man. Um, so, I, you know, I remember, yeah, when I met you, you were you I mean, you were very driven. You were very focused and you, you, you excelled in a lot of subjects, you know, when it came to academics. So, you, you know, you, you probably had that drive when it came to music as well. So you 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 say like when you were close to graduating high school, is that when you made the decision like, hey, when I'm going to college? Because when you went to college in your mind, you already said, hey, I'm going to do something in music, right? Like that was already your When I went to college, or? yeah. Yeah, when I went to okay. college. It, when I was, um, I think in the middle of my senior year, I was just assuming that I would do something in sciences. Didn't know exactly what, but I, I think I had uh, applied for chemistry. It was my favorite of the sciences, so I figured let's go with that. And kind of after that, I, I kind of had this existential dread about not really having a life where I was playing my instrument every day anymore. And not really interacting with musicians anymore. Like I'm sure that there would be some musicians in the in the whatever classes I would be in, but mainly as a hobby. And I don't know. I it, it did terrify me, and I I definitely felt like I was um, you know really eager to continue thinking about music every day and continue working on it and continue you know hearing sounds like that on a daily basis as part of what I did every day. Well, let me ask you this. Um, what was your parents' reaction when they found out that, because I don't know what maybe uh, they expected. You know, there's always, you know, parents have these expectations for their children. Oh, my goodness. Um, <laughs> oh my goodness. So what, what, what happened when you were like, you know, mom, dad, you know, uh, you know, I just kind of want to play the sax. Like, that, that's kind of so like bad. what I wanted <laughs> you may hear me. You may hear me say this a few times in the interview, but um, so like part of what I do in music is I teach too. I have lots of right. students who are exactly the ages that I'm talking about right now, and it's really interesting for me to tell these stories because I'm completely picturing some of my students who do the same things that I do, or actually in this case, in this story, are doing way better than I did. I sort of snuck to my audition <laughs> at UT. Went with uh, a wow. friend, a mutual friend. We went up there and I had my audition. It was on like a Thursday or, you know, sometime in the middle of the week. So, yeah. And I came home and I it's like, well, I took an audition at UT today, parents. And they were, uh, as you would imagine, shocked. And, uh, you know, I, it doesn't feel great to be telling this, this story and molding the impressionable youth out there. But you know what? It's what happened. And so I came home and it was a little bit of a fight. And I think not because my parents didn't want me to do it necessarily, but I do feel like they they uh, they were like this is a huge decision. You didn't even like come to us. It's because you knew we wouldn't be happy, obviously, and we're not. But dang, you really you really did that, huh? <laughs> 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 but it all you know blew over pretty pretty soon. And you know they they just wanted to make sure I was really into it and that I wasn't just like coming up with something silly that I was gonna drop in just a you know just a few weeks or months or something. You know. That it was something I was going to see through to the end. And fortunately for all of us, I did. I mean, how much different um, was was your college experience with, with that musical background um, 
did you because i remember you still uh, in ac- you know in academics were you know very advanced in mathematics and these other subjects did you continue that path or did you focus on music or did you just do both what what was your focus when you were like in college yeah music majors are pretty hours intensive like there's no substitute for spending the hours with your other musicians in rehearsal practicing on your own it's a pretty time intensive uh major and uh i was still kind of taking care of basics at that in those first couple of years first year and a half or so i was doing a lot of summers trying to knock that out uh community college and uh at ut itself and uh i honestly i really did enjoy taking classes in in the other subjects like i remember really enjoying my uh we had to take two U.S. history courses. The first one was like generally U.S. history. And the second one you had to take was you, you could choose U.S. foreign policy history. And you chose an area of the world. The one I took was East Asia. And it was fascinating. It was one of the best college courses I ever took. Another one of the best college courses I ever took, Introduction to Theater. Basic, basic theater <laughs> at Houston Community College. My, the professor I had there was absolutely wonderful. I wish I remember his name, but uh, I'll look it up and maybe you can include it in the show notes. Um, he, Yeah, just like such a life for theater and like what it does for you and your soul. And and not only that, which, you know, that if you just talk about that, that's going to get real cheesy real quick. He he said that, but he, he backed up. He backed up what he was saying by showing us how we could start getting engaged in theater. And like, look, here's a list of places you can go for a free show. Here's a list of places where you have to buy a ticket, but it's cheap and they have student prices. Here's a place where um, you get to see these types of actors. I don't know. It's just really cool to like actually open those gateways and encourage us to go out as part of the class to go watch theater. Anyway, the point is I really enjoyed uh, having the opportunity in the beginning of college to kind of have all those different experiences, but also be pretty immersed in music. Um, it's 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 a lot of hours, but like you know, you're doing something that you really enjoy. You're doing it with people that you're look for looking forward to see every day. Um, you're doing it with professors that hold you to a super high standard and are inspiring in the way that they practice their habits. And um, you know, hearing being exposed to stuff that you never thought was possible that you didn't even know existed before you started. You just so thought you, you like playing melodies, and then you you learn that there's this entire world out there. So you went to the University of Texas in Austin. Um, that, that's where you also got your doctorate, right? So you, you pretty much just stayed there and did. Um, first of all, let me ask you, how, how long did it take you to, how old, how old were you when you finished your doctorate? I was 27. 27. 2011 is when I got my doctorate. So when you made the decision to pursue music, you know, uh, pretty much as a, as, as a freshman, you were all in, um, were you going, did you decide at that point you were also going to pursue a doctorate or was there a point in, in your academics where you, where that, what that revelation came to be? I actually did. Yeah. Like my, before my mom moved to America in 1980, uh, when she was in India, she had she had a teaching position at uh, Osmania University in Hyderabad uh, doing English literature. She had her master's in English literature. Her dad was a professor of also English literature. She idolized her dad. She wanted to be just like him, so kind of followed in his footsteps. 
Um, my other grandfather was a was the dean of the College of uh, Electrical Engineering. It's wow. it's that... a it's a little bit of a storied background. It's not really that I felt pressure to go and do that, but I you know it, I definitely felt like uh, it was just a really important in our family to sort of goes go the distance if you had the opportunity. You know, my mom had the opportunity to come here, which um, sort of took her life in a different path. But, you know, as all parents do, they're just trying to make life better for their kids than they had it themselves, right? No, absolutely. But, but, but Sunil, you got that degree at UT. You know, Tex, you know, we all know Texas is synonymous. UT, Texas, you, you know, uh, and am I mistaken, or weren't you uh, first chair when you when you were at? You did you not reach a uh, a very prestigious uh, position uh, when you were playing there? Well, yeah, I felt I felt like I was having a lot of success at UT with you know with with fellow musicians, um, uh, professors. Like I I was feeling confident about the skills that I had gained. I was feeling confident about m my path forward in making music in the world and my path forward as a teacher. Um, yeah, I mean, UT, like, it, UT is, is at the top of the game. It's, it's, there are lots of amazing music schools out there, and I don't feel like I missed out by, by going to UT. Like, I mean, I would have loved to, of course, been in all those environments if I could, every single school that's considered great, you know, it's great because there's a music scene around there. There's uh, a diverse and interesting faculty. There are students who are trying to be literally the best at, at all times. But the cool thing well, about music is you have to be collaborative too. So people at the same time that they're practicing their instruments and getting just really good, they're kind of also practicing how to be really nice to each other so that they have partners and uh, composers and, uh, you know, fellow musicians yeah, you know, it's a mixed population like any other, but it, there's just a lot of really good people who are like actively trying to be good people and actively trying to be good musicians. It's I've been lucky, and yeah, and I I I don't know if first chair is quite the way I put it, but I was um I I was with some amazing inspirational players. I let me put it this way: when you're when you're you know you're doing well as a musician when you get to play with really amazing other musicians. What, That's kind of how you measure it? that. I get I get that, but isn't there also this like after you know this this uh, all the hard work, right? Um, and then you know it's almost like when you uh, like you're able to compete in a sport with like at the highest level, right? Like that was that was a uh, like you were able to to jam, right? You were able to be on the same level with people from all over the world, right? UT you know, brings in a very diverse crowd. So you were, you know, what, did you, did, was that also that sense of feeling when you were like, Hey, like, cause I know there was probably, I mean, some type of intimidation, right. When you first, let me, let me ask you this. Like when you, how, how long have you been performing? Did you do a lot of performing in high school or was it more like, I, you know, I went to one of your performances at UT. You did. Um, you did. You were very that, kind. You came to a recital point. Oh, and it was great. I really, I really enjoyed it. But was that? Wait, 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 wait. Okay, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna turn it around for just a second here, Victor. I know it's of your course. podcast. You say you really <laughs> enjoyed it. So, when you say you enjoyed it, did you hear things that you you didn't expect? Did you? I mean, did you find yourself like banging your head or tapping your toes, or was it like something different than that? Ah, uh, you know, it it was. 
It was a combination, you know. Um, I think so. You know, my my music background, you know, in terms of what I listen to, it's very diverse, you know, and so I think different music requires different movement or different interpretation because they even though they might convey the same emotion they do it in different ways you know mm. um you take he heavy metal you know there's like this banging of the head and i used to wonder why do people bang their heads and then i started listening to heavy metal and i banged my head like you know what i mean and so like when i listened to 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 and i listened to your, some of your music before we're doing this i was on your website and uh it, it, it you know it reminds me of like uh like almost like Tom and Jerry, um, almost a very, uh, very uh, classical soundtracks to, you know, older movies where where this music is really is really taking you on a little on a little journey. You know, well, I appreciate kind of you saying that, Victor. I um, uh, yeah. So I should probably make clear to everyone listening. I'm a classical saxophonist. You know, most people, of course, associate the saxophone with jazz. Right. Right. Um, and it's not to say that I don't play jazz, but like my training and, and my work and what I teach and everything is mainly focused around classical saxophone. And, you know, that's always an interesting thing for me to comp contemplate when I kind of zoom out and think about the wider musical world uh, and all the stuff that's out there. You just kind of browse Spotify or whatever and you see everything that's out there. Um, uh, I I like to paint lots of different types of pictures with my music and I, and I think that the best music that I find in the classical realm does a good job of, of doing that. Um, it's, you know, it's good that you, I, I like that you brought up Tom and Jerry because I, you know, I would bet most people don't really consider themselves listeners of classical music. Like that's, you know, it's not necessarily what they reach for when they turn on uh, their music apps, right. When they're pulling something up, but yet it remains one of the most absorbed and listened to things, uh, genres of music out there because classical music is scored to tell stories through sound pictures, right? It's every time you watch a movie or watch a TV show or a cartoon, right? All the media that we listen to is like totally accompanied by classical music. You know what it is? Is It's that it's blended so perfectly that you don't even, you don't even think about it. It's 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 so intertwined with the video that you don't even think about it that you're listening to classical music, but uh, that you it's know intertwined that, with and, emotion. Uh, it's intertwined oh, with emotion and all the emotions that the that the that the directors want. I mean, you ever listen, watch a movie and just imagine or or just mute it? It loses all its meaning. It That's does. what my dad always said. He's like, man, if I'm watching a scary movie and it gets too intense, I just mute that. And, uh, well, you, so, I mean, you, you, you know, uh, so, you know, I recently started, you know, you know, getting into the whole film thing, you know, making movies. And uh, when you're doing that, you realize how important sound is because the different audio tracks that you have to layer, you know, to create a scene, there's so much sound that you don't even think about. And because you have somebody walking, because you have something happening, the music is kind of... I mean, I, I I love music. Like I I, the to me the music kind of, like you said it paints that picture, you know uh, the the music 
the music tells you what's about to happen. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you ever you ever you ever watch a movie and you're like, uh oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 you it's the music. It's the music. The music is yeah. telling you something's about to happen. The build up, you know. That's kind of um, what I do with my with my daughter Maya. She's watching the movie. Something scary happens. She goes, "Oh no!" And I said, "No, Maya, it's all right. The music is 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 happy. They'll be fine." <laughs> so let me let me ask you this. Um, so you, uh, you perform classical pieces. Yes. Uh, you know, there when you, when you talk about like because uh, I'm not too. Uh, familiar with the technical terms of classical music so a lot of times i hear like oh you know this is you know mozart's piece performed on like this note or this different you know different thing um is that really where the the differentiation comes when you're as as a as a person you know who's doing this piece that is also done by other people Mm. what what and like what when you do the piece, what what is it the emotion that you bring? Do you hold down a note longer? Because we've all heard like from my if to get a comparison for me, um, like when you listen to a live version of a song, right? Your, mm-hmm. your your favorite band, they do the live version. The live version is never the same as the one you hear on the radio. Never. The the, dr- the drummer hits that extra solo. It better not the, be. The gu- I paid for the, a concert the, ticket. The, exactly, exactly. The guitar player, you know what whatever the, it's extra, right? So my question to you is what. What is it that each musician brings to a different piece? My gosh, what a perfect question. Um, makes my heart happy when somebody <laughs> who's not actually, you know, doing this as a profession day in and day out, like sees this and understands that that's what it is. Yeah, it, it's it's kind of like a major topic in classical music. No one ever, no one talks about too much uh, expression for sure. But like the fact that we're all cover artists, right? We're trying to bring as much new music into the realm that we can, but we're always, if we do so, we're, I mean, if we're not writing it ourselves, which few of us are, we're bringing composers in uh, to work with us and, you know, collaborate, make something together. Um, but for, yeah, the, for the most part, we're, we're cover artists. We're playing things that other people have played a lot of times and you're trying to put your own something on it. You got to be careful. If you do put too much of your own thing on it, it's, it's messed up. You know how... Everyone criticizes everyone's national anthem performance at the Super Bowl. Right. No, it's never good, uh, right? It's it's exactly. You got to you got to put your own thing on it. But man, watch out! If you put too much of your own thing on it, no one it it doesn't make sense. No one no one likes it. No, but the things that you suggested are a hundred percent what we're trying to do. You hold this note a little bit longer. I love that you said that. That's literally. I will tell a student in a lesson: hold that note just a little longer. (laughs) Why? Because it sounds awesome when you do it. Or, you know, intonation, uh, which is, you know, if you just move the note just a little bit up, just a little bit down. I'm not talking about out of tune. I'm just saying, like, messing with that for expressive effect. Um, Playing with time, playing with tuning, playing with volume, playing with um, kind of the way that you play with another musician. you got to do so much nonverbal communication because most of what we do is acoustic. Um, If I hear somebody getting louder but the music doesn't say that, I'll probably go with them. Because, you know, you're creating something on a more subtle level than literally just making up a new piece of music together. But, you know, I'm a big believer in the idea that creativity needs limits. And as a person who's not an amazingly gifted improviser for jazz, um, having the limit of something on the page to play and then being creative within that is really stimulating to me. And I think a lot of classical musicians. So it's it's almost like, well, like... uh you're trying to design a, a football play 
you can only do so much, right? With yeah. with with the, with the piece, it's like chess. You right? only have it's eleven like people. Well, and each each person is restricted to what it can do. So you're yeah. playing within these these boundaries. Well, that kind of brings me to my next point because I was going to actually say, you know, in my perspective, when it comes to creativity, I'm kind of like the opposite. You know, I I don't believe in boundaries. Like, I believe that, and 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 I think I think maybe there's you know we're talking about two different types of creativity. Yeah. But I, I'm I'm more referring to like the. Uh, when, cause you know, cause I like to write, right? And when you create, and I create stories that are not true, so you really kind of have to go, hey, mm-hmm. like, whatever, go with the flow, whatever, whatever you're, you know, I'm creating. Yeah, no, I, 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 I totally get it. Um, so you know, you, you mentioned earlier that you know, you, well, you, the Houston, Austin, um, you grew up in Houston, then you moved to Austin. Can you maybe what what would you say kind of the difference in the culture between Houston and Austin? Is there huge huge differences that you find? Because um, you, I mean, your adulthood was once you left Houston, you you never came back, did you? <laughs> no, <laughs> once you, not to live. You, yeah, you you. Uh, My parents you still got live ma- there. You because you were you were in school. You you got married. Mm-hmm. You got. I remember you got. You were the first one, uh, the yes, first one of first our, one in the in the gang in, in the gang to get married. You were, uh, if I'm not mistaken, twenty 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 one. I think, uh, I think I just turned twenty two. Yeah, twenty two. Twenty two. Okay. Okay. So yeah, still still fairly young. Quite. And uh, you you were you were in school at the time, right? Because you 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 were in school till twenty seven. So, uh, you were you were going to school and then and then uh. Your your wife, you met her at UT, correct? I met her in music school. She was a she was a vocal major, um, and we had a theory class together, music theory, and um, yeah, um, you know she's a cutie, and she was smart. <laughs> I, I heard her saying the right answers, and I was like, "How about we sit together tomorrow?" <laughs> <laughs> um, I kind you know I kind of touched up, touched on it a little bit earlier when uh, I brought up like uh, perform, performing, right? Uh, what's what's that feeling like man uh, you know mm. when when do, do you do you get nervous right before you gotta get up on stage yes every time i hate the 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 last like four minutes of waiting right before showtime um but okay so you, there's mean, really nothing there's nothing more that you can do these four right. minutes like if you haven't done it already you don't have time to do it now so you just have to wait for four minutes <laughs> You but can go how, get a drink how, of water, I guess. You can go to the bathroom. How rewarding to you is that round of applause? How does that? How, I mean, how does that make you feel when you're when the, you know the people are just you know you're getting this long mm. uh, applause? Long applause is nice. Uh, thunderous, thunderous is nice. Uh, raucous, I would say. Those are those are good applauses to get. Sometimes uh, you play a weird piece and you don't know, like the last note doesn't really sound like the last note <laughs> unless you know unless you know how it goes already and so right. the, the the audience uh doesn't applaud right away yeah and, the, and then they, and then they get it oh, oh that, that's it that's the last that, note. That, nice nice yeah they, they, they've been quiet for a little bit <laughs> so those, those are always a little weird you have to just be satisfied inside yourself like i know what that was supposed to sound like and i did a good job so i'm right, just gonna right. take that one <laughs> Um, so, um, but, but when it's good, it's, yeah, it's really nice. Um, and you know, for the most part, you know, if you, if you did a good job or not, sometimes you can't really control what that audience thinks, you know, you can do, you can put your best product out there. You can be relatable. You can be 
friendly. You have to be inviting, right? To, to whatever audience is there in front of you, you can never shut them out by, by being pretentious or, uh, you know, giving them an attitude of like, you don't know enough about this music to appreciate it, which, you know, is a danger of classical music. You always have to be very inclusive and, and, um, and inviting about the way you're presenting it and what you present and inviting them to enjoy something strange and unfamiliar. But, uh, so when, when audiences get it and they appreciate what you did and they, they let you know, it's, it's one of the best feelings in the world. Absolutely. So that's 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 some you know these are good things about being on stage. Now now, now let's talk about some bad things. Okay. Now I got I got laughed at those uh, things too. <laughs> so um, you uh, perform you, you you perform sometimes you perform with with other people on stage right quartets. Cor, uh, what what is it when it's four? Is that a quartet? Yeah. Four. Yeah. Right. So so you're on My stage. Boys. You know you're you're on stage and it doesn't have to be the. Uh, we don't have to name names. What group? Because I know you're in various groups. It could. Be, it doesn't have to be them. It could be in the past. But when you're on, when you're performing, and there's, you know, four people, three people performing at the same time, and you just hear somebody just fucks up. Like it's. It's not even like, like it. it he, like this guy. This. You know, because a, a little mess up, you can kind of go. All right. Well, we're gonna just. You know, we're gonna go through it. Everyone but, has one of those. Every concert. Right, exactly. Every single person does at least one of those little ones. But but when you when it's kind of like wow like this guy this guy is like off he is not and it, it's compromising your sound it's compromising the whole piece. Um, yeah. Have have you ever had a moment where <laughs> where somebody just like stopped and was like hey well this is not yeah we gotta start over like I can't I can't, no. I can't like I, no uh, um, no it's been bad enough to warrant that but. <laughs> But as as they say, the show must go on. Like the the training of like you may not stop at all. Oh, you must right. keep going. Uh, I've seen I've seen groups stop for things that were out of their control. Like um, one of my favorite, Maybe like a microphone or something. Yeah, like one of my favorite um, experiences was I I was, uh, I was while I was at UT. I was in the wind ensemble there. We took a trip to Napa Valley uh, for this festival. It was, Cool trip. I'd never been. I've never been since. It was. Uh, I'm glad I got the opportunity to do that. And they, um, uh, one of the guests there was the Russian National Orchestra, and they were playing the Rachmaninoff Symphonic Dances. Great piece with a fabulous saxophone solo. Right after the saxophone solo, thankfully, I got to listen to it. At least right after the saxophone solo, the lights in the whole place went out. Like on stage, nobody could wow. see anything. Yeah, there were like some kind of emergency lights uh, for evacuation, but that was it. And the orchestra kept playing for about <laughs> thirty seconds, and then wow, yeah, it's like that's really discipline. Long. We were like, that's discipline. That that piece, by the way, man, that no, you don't memorize that piece. That piece is like forty five minutes long. It it would be it'd be really tough. Um, so they played for about thirty seconds, and then finally the conductor like kind of waved them off and turned to the crowd and he said, the most. Uh, wonderful thing in that moment because everybody's all anxious for the people on stage they're like oh my god what's gonna happen and he says you know the russian national orchestra came here and we always play with heart but unfortunately <laughs> we cannot play by heart and everybody's like oh you guys <laughs> and so we just all took a big break and they had to end up uh canceling the, the rest of the concert because they couldn't get the the technical issue fixed but it, i i'll never forget like you got to deal with adversity on stage with poise you can't, like, 
you can't let it break you. You, you're, you, the audience is there to like, even if the music is, you know, a journey, they're, they're there to, to kind of escape and kind of be out of, outside of their own lives and outside of their own heads. And you can't bring them back into that spot by showing them the anxiety. So you have to practice so you're not anxious on stage and worried that you're going to mess up. But, um, yeah, if something wrong happens, you know, you just, you know, like if your dog barks on a podcast, you just kind of play it off and you, you, you make a little joke. That's all, that's all you can do. And with, with the, the scenarios of the, you know, terrible sounding musician on stage that, you know, you totally ruining everything. Um, I have seen a bad enough error, not like a totally atrocious performance, but a bad enough error result in playing the piece again on stage while the audience is just being like, uh, okay, sure. I play it again. Okay, here we go. <laughs> because the concert was being recorded and we needed a good one. We needed a good take of it. So you know what? We're just going to do it again, everyone. Yeah, do it again. yeah. We're just going to do it again. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was awkward. But it it happens. I I've seen it. I I've yep. I've been I've been at concert like I've been yeah with with you know where the the, the band's like uh it, they they don't start off too good or you know something happens mm-hmm. like, you know what? We're going to run that back. And you run it back. <laughs> yeah. Um everyone wants to feel good and to do that we're just going to start it over again. <laughs> Um, let, let's uh, let's switch to another little topic. So, you have a daughter by the name of Maya. I do. And, and how old is Maya now? She is two and three months. Two years and three months. Okay. Um, you you know you a professional musician. Music is 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 a huge part of your life. Um, are you uh, gonna have her do any any music? Well, what's her take on music now? I think she's. Does she already have uh, maybe the ear for it or the tendency that she attracted to anything uh, musical at the moment? That's a yeah, that's a thing I think about often. Let me let me. I've noticed this about her. She's a really good listener, and I didn't fully know that for a long time until fairly recently, when she started talking, and I was presented with the evidence that she's been listening to everything I've been saying this whole time. And it all just waited to come out. Um, she, she's been singing with us a lot. Uh, we sing to her a lot. You know how they say reading to kids is really important because yes, develops a love of books and it gets them, gets them interested in the ideas that are contained within the page. It's a great reason to read books. Honestly, I don't think I'd be able to stop myself, whatever the situation, but we sing all day long to her. Um, Disney songs, um, folk songs, things that I knew from as a kid, stuff that's out like in 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 music land right now, just old hits, classics. You know how you know how parents do for their kids; they play them the classics. Um, oh yeah, no, I, I'm 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 a disco baby. I I loved I love disco music because my parents love disco. So no, I love disco. Um, you know, speaking of which, you know, we we know. Uh, well, before I forget, uh, I remember earlier you were saying uh, classical music. You know, you have to kind of, kind of tweak it a little bit, but you can't tweak it too much. You don't yeah. want to compromise the piece. Mm-hmm. So, uh, do you write music like original pieces in, in in other art forms, or? It's not something I've had a ton of success at before, but you know, 
it, it's something I'd like to do before it's all said and done. Um, right. I've I chose to kind of focus my energy into you know developing as much skill as a player as I could and and figuring out how to survive as a working performer. Well, Help, um, helping what, to run groups and helping to um, um, put on concerts and it's a, it's, it takes a lot of energy and not something that I've had time for. But um, like I said, not something I I want to just go away not having really tried it. Well, well, you 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 know you have a very uh, you know a very very strong classical base, obviously. Mm-hmm. So um, do you you know you said you know you were saying like you said before saxophone. You know, a lot of people, you know, equate that with jazz. Um, do you yourself dabble with any other types of music? Do you enjoy playing jazz, or the, do you enjoy, you know, any even like even not playing? Like, is there any type of music? Like, what do you like to listen to? Are you influenced um, when when you're just jamming, right? When you're just, you know, just jamming, not playing a piece, just jamming. Um, I'm sure all your musical influence comes into play. So what? That's true. What kind of influences you when I, you play? You know, when I when I start jamming, uh, just almost invariably, what starts coming out is some some kind of funk, some kind of funky, you know, dirty. That's where I like to. That's where I like to put it. Usually, um, if I you know if I'm not being bound, uh, uh, being given any boundaries, if I'm just like messing around on my instrument without trying to like practice a scale or whatever. Um, yeah, if I'm just jamming, it, it tends to come out funk. When you're about to go on stage, you know you um, you've been you've practiced a lot. You've put in all these hours. You 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 feel like all right, I, I got this. You know, I'm I'm prepared. You know, uh, one of my favorite quotes is you know, failing to prepare is preparing to fail. You know, and so, so you, you you don't allow yourself to be able to even get put in that point. You know, right before you go on stage. Now, when you jam out, um, obviously you know you could you could you know who cares right you're jamming out this is just for your personal pleasure am i i'm not talking about you're working on a piece you're you know you're practicing no i'm talking about it's just you and your and your saxophone and you're just hanging you know you're just relaxing um do you like to uh you know mind alter what is your what is your opinion on on the altering of the mind with these substances alcohol and and what have you yeah that, you know go hand go hand in hand with music um do you feel like uh there there's you know there's something to it like there's to well the mu- yeah there's there's definitely something to it that's why people do it i okay i have, i kind of mixed feelings on this i've mainly noticed that when i have a little something i can't pay attention as well and I stake so much of the way that I play on paying really close attention, even if it's relaxed playing. Like if I'm if I'm just jamming and I'm feeling it, and I've had a couple drinks or something, I I think I have fun like right there in the moment. But I also find it really hard to remember what I just played so that I can then think about the next thing I'm playing. I it doesn't super work for me. I've I've done it before, and it's just not. Um... Now enjoying listening to music, different story. yeah no man uh yeah no i'm just i'm just curious you know it's it's a very interesting uh perspective that you have and i know some people that are the exact opposite that what no but i get it though i get it i think it's because of your base your base is is uh like you said it's a confined creativity because you're working Mm. with a a confined medium you're 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 you have a piece yeah you put your little twist but 
you still have that 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 skeleton that you're working with. So I think maybe that kind of has an influence on on even when you're doing just a relaxed, you know, just casual playing, you know. Right. Although I I would say if I was a lot better at jazz than I am now, I think I might change my answer. It might be a little fun. But right now when I when I'm playing in more of a jamming type, I'm not I don't think quite as relaxed as, as some people are or as you should be right. um because uh you know, um I want to be better at jazz. I love jazz. I love playing it. I have fun every time I do it. Um, but there's always that voice in the back of my mind saying, you should be better at this. You're a doctorate in saxophone. You should play more jazz. <laughs> like, you're right. <laughs> I should. Hey, man. You, this, I mean, just who's to say? I mean, why not? Now you can just fo- play more jazz, you know? It's it's true. I, you know, um, I've been it, it, I, honestly working on, on it a lot more during COVID, which it, we're recording this in the midst of all, all that. Uh, yeah no it's and is in i mean to me like it's just a whole a whole different animal when you're when you're doing jazz as opposed to classical you know it's like you know watching a different genre in movie right Mm -hmm. i mean it's really a whole different emotional um emotional roller coaster um yeah no man uh i definitely would encourage you to do that um i think i think because because jazz is um a, a style that is known for improv, like for just, you know, people that just kind of, you know, just do whatever. I think, I think that that will probably help you with, with if you, when you want to create your own music, I think having that, you know, jazz, you know, background, more, you know, focusing on jazz will, will help you with that. I mean, I'm, I, I'm, I don't have a doctorate like you do, but you know, I don't, it's just, it's just an idea. It's just, it's just an idea. I, I mean, I fully agree. I, um, uh, j- jazz is essential and, and it's not just because I play the saxophone too it's it's that I think it's an, an integral part of making music in this country it's jazz music is the soul of of music in this country like all the things that everything that you hear right now has a, has not everything but um, <laughs> most things and most things that are worth listening to have a foot in jazz history and origins and it's um, I think an essential part of being an American to, I mean, not just American, but it's, it's important for us to, to kind of understand that, that legacy and, and appreciate it and enjoy it and use it every day as much as we can. Um, oh yeah, man. I, I, I completely agree. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, you know, let me ask you something. One thing I've, I've never, because I've never played the saxophone. Um, and I'm just kind of curious. Next uh, time you're here, we'll, we'll have a lesson. <laughs> um what what is like the pro the, the saxophone you're 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 inhaling right you're not exhaling or how how is it like the actual playing of the saxophone yeah i mean you and, blow and it, out uh into the reed and the mouthpiece which are attached to the t- top of the saxophone um are you, you are it's, you uh, it's pretty fascinating on a scientific level but yeah basically you you blow into the top of it and it vibrates the reed and the speed of that vibration is amplified through the whole saxophone and that turns into a loud, a really loud now, sound. Now, um, are you, do you ever do any type of techniques in order for like breathing techniques or yeah. maybe finger techniques? Because um, I imagine sometimes those those fingers got to go pretty quick, huh? They got to go pretty quick. You got to, you know, you got to learn how to be relaxed with your fingers. Let them dance on the keys instead of forcing them to press. Um a lot of times it's when you when you finger a note it's 
if you want the fast technique, it's about how you lift away from the note rather than how you press down. Percussionists would say the same thing. It's how you lift away from the drum head rather than how you how you smack it down. Um, and uh, yeah, there's tons of exercises on breathing and um, sort of getting the loose fingers, good posture, uh, relaxed muscle groups. Uh, you have to use lips, tongue, um, abdominals, rib cage, arms, shoulders. You know, there's so many muscle groups that you have to get in sync and working together and relaxed enough to respond incredibly quickly to things that change, right? It's it's small muscle, small muscle uh, athleticism. You're not running and jumping, but like lots of muscle groups have to work perfectly at the same time in an incredibly co- coordinated way to make anything happen. Oh no, the, the, di- the difficulty, um, I, I, yeah, I mean, th- what think it, it's, it's very high up there when you think about how many people give up, mm-hmm. you know, so many people <laughs> try to play an instrument and it just, you know, they give up. It, it just, it really shows you how, how difficult it is. Um, so you, you graduate from UT, you got, you got, you got your doctorate and, uh, you stu- you were a professor at Prairie View. I was. Um, how 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 was that? Was I remember you? Uh, was was your time at UT? Did that you know getting your your master's doctorate? You had to do some teaching, right? Like that was a part of the whole curriculum. Um, so you had kind of a preparation for this. Uh, uh, how 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 was that having an influence? Uh, you know, on someone's musical career and and. I, probably is their life, right? Oh, absolutely. I, it is, I mean, yeah, it's, it's a huge privilege to be able to be there for at least for any small part of a, of a student's journey. They're there at Prairie Review or even in just school band, pro- everywhere. Anyone who's a music student is there trying to, trying to achieve something, you know, even if the goal is limited, that's fine, but they're there trying and people who are there to do it for their whole lives, maybe to go teach other kids. Um, they're really trying to achieve something. And yeah, it is pretty special to be along for part of that journey. I, uh, I, I, I took that job for two years traveling all the way from Austin. Prairie View to Austin is a two hour drive door to door from where I was staying in Austin anyway. Um, so I was on days that I was, uh, teaching there, it was two hours door to door and, um, four hours in the car every, every day, you know, two or three times a week you know, the way higher education works, it's very, it's very difficult to get a saxophone position at a university. It's even more difficult to make it into a full-time position and even more difficult to make it into a tenure track situation. Um, and so I basically had just was not able to do the commute anymore without a guarantee of full-time that I can move my family to Houston or at least closer to Prairie View. Right. Um, and because of that, I wish now that as a more mature teacher, I could go back because I think I would do those students or whichever students are there now uh, so much more good because I'm, I feel like I've gotten a lot better at sure the technique part of my teaching, but mainly at the human part of my teaching. Teaching, you know, so much like coaching is, is, is a relationship, you know, it's, it's a relationship and it's also, um, and and, you know, you, you, you know, this, uh, you can't teach everyone the same. No, not at all. And, and having to, the only way to 
get better and prepare yourself is to experience it right so you know and and you can combine like oh this kid is like a combination of like these three other kids that i once dealt with so i can take a little bit from this to kind of apply it mm. to that right yeah 100 percent. and you know i was a young teacher back then. that i i started that job actually in my last year of my doctorate so i was 26 um and i mean i had a ton of fun there it was great students but i definitely look back on it now and i'm thinking okay, as a more mature teacher, I would have handled this situation this way. And it's, you know, it's about building, like you said, as a coach, you have to build a relationship as a teacher of any sort. You have to build trust in a relationship. And, uh, you know, when the trust is there, then you can then you can get the students to sort of work the way that you know they need to work. That's That's the thing. It's like not my job isn't as much giving the information as I wanted to think it once was. I wanted to think, okay, I know all this stuff about the saxophone. So now all I have to do is go in a room with somebody and tell them that information because I learned it. And now they're going to be good at it too. And, you know, that's, as I said, immature teacher way to think about it. You, you have to, you have to be a human with them. You have to earn trust. You have to teach them the path more than you have to give them the information. Give a man a fish. He'll eat for a day. Teach him to fish. Right. Um, right. You have to show them the path. You have to show them how they can be their own best teacher. You have to show them how to hold certain things as the highest values, like striving for excellence, like paying attention to details, like taking care of things early enough so that you have time to make it good, teaching them that it's important to feel good about what you just did, to play it and know that you put in a lot of effort and you worked on it the right way and it's awesome and you're proud of yourself and now you're going to go work on making it even better. And I'm assuming, um, you know, that that time uh, when you were a professor there at, at Prairie View, I mean, that uh, all those moments, you know, you know, the the the, di- the watching the difference you were making. I mean, did, it, did that kind of lead you into what you're doing now? Because um, because now, you know, you do you know, you do perform, but you also um you know, you have like what the, the, the sax pro workshops, mm-hmm. uh, you have, uh, these, you know, these programs in which now your focus is to kind of, you know, get them younger right now. Now, instead of, you know, being a college professor, now you're, you're getting from, you're getting the, from what the roots when the kid is very, very young and you can even be a more, uh, you're now you're a bigger part of starting that foundation that that's very important. And if you can instill that in a child, um, it's it, it's it you know i think establishing discipline you know with the child whether it's music whether it's sports it whether it's just something that discipline that that doing that at a young age is just helping them as a, as as a human to 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 become an adult so oh, yeah i um, i i love like so i teach the gamut i teach sixth grade beginners all the way through college students um and yeah it's a Big, there are definitely things that are the same about all students, but it's a big change from those beginners all the way to the college. Primarily being that the beginners kind of are still figuring out if they want to do this th- this thing. So you do have to teach them differently, give, cut them some slack sometimes, you know. That wasn't that good, but you're a great person, and I appreciate spending a half hour w- every week with you, you know. Um <laughs> it's sorry <laughs> i mean was well how how tough is it though i mean i'm sure you um you've had kids that really it's more of a parent thing right like mm-hmm. they really they really don't even want to be there right but 
How, I mean, that's got to be kind of a, you kind of, you have to use some type of psychology to even have this lesson, right? Definitely. Um, the, the, the ones who, you know, occasionally you get a, st- a student who is, well, they don't have the trust yet. They don't, they don't know why they're supposed to listen to you. You know, they're doing things and they're liking the way they're doing it just fine. And who are you to come in and just say, uh, you're not using enough air and make your lips in this shape and sit up straight. Like, who are you to come and start saying all this stuff to me? Right. So you got to earn the, you got to earn the trust first. Um, sometimes you earn the trust by giving the information. You know, I've had a lot of first lessons. Like I have a, I have a couple tricks that I do in a first lesson with somebody, especially like, you know, depending on the age level. But one of them is I'll teach the student how to sit straight. And, uh, you know, there's a neck strap that holds up the saxophone for you. You adjust it to the right height to put your hands in the right place. And when you get all that stuff just adjusted right, boom, suddenly they sound five times better. They're like, whoa, you must know a lot. And then the trust is already there. And some students are not that impressed by that. Or or, or it doesn't work. And then you're like, oh, okay, now what? Now I got <laughs> to figure out some way to to worm in there and give them give them some reason to, to buy into what it, what it is I'm saying. And it's not That's always awesome. just about playing and, and knowing things about the saxophone. Sometimes it's like, hey, I see you and I, you know, I appreciate that you're here and let's have some fun every week. I'm not going to judge you for what you're doing and we're just going to play some play some music. And if you'll let me, I'm going to I'm going to show you how to do it even better next time. So now let's talk about, you know, the gorilla, the elephant in the room, gorilla, whatever, whatever big animal you want to put in the room. COVID. Uh, so, yes. COVID, um, obviously, you are a person who, um, you know, you rely on, on, on uh, interacting with other people, performing in other people. How has how this, uh, you know, how has this affected you? Like, what, what, what kind of changes have you had to make, or what, 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 you know, what's, what's, what's the deal, man? How, what's happened with you? It's been really, really tough for musicians. I'm gonna go ahead and say that I've had it easier than most because, as we've been talking about, so much of my time is spent teaching that i've been able to move all my lessons online you know i'm speaking to you on this mic that i only have because of covid um and i got i needed to get a mic that was going to help me sound good enough to teach my lessons right and i'm honestly busier throughout the day right now than i was uh before however what i'm not busy during at all is nights um there are no concerts anymore well, for for right now, this is uh, uh, late May when we're recording this. There are no concerts, there are no rehearsals, there are no uh, extracurricular teaching things, um, other than the, than the lessons that I'm able to do uh, week by week. Lots of summer camps that used to exist have either canceled sessions for the summer or are moving them online. Which I really hope that it works out well for the people who are doing the the online camps. Um, I it it seems like it would be difficult. One on one is is easy. Group group is more difficult. I how how effective is your uh, your I mean doing it online? Like is is it, what what are the difficult parts about it? Having to, I mean, is it the audio? I'm sure the audio audio um, is a huge it, huge bit of it. If you don't have good equipment, um, it's really hard to hear. So I hear a lot of like saxophones that sound like electric guitars or. Uh, you know, their sound wow. cuts out uh, every so often. And I just have to watch really closely and see if they're keeping good lip shape and that they're breathing well and that they're standing right and that 
and then from that, sometimes I can tell how they're doing. But yeah, overall, COVID has been really bad for musicians. I mean, gigs are canceled. And right. if you're a musician who's not teaching, you're you're screwed, right? You, I, you know, I um, I don't know how it's going to open back up again because if you think about it, uh, factor number one, your audience. How do you get an audience into a place if they have to stand six feet apart? Not to mention that there's more research that's showing that um, indoor is worse than outdoor. So what are now concerts always outdoors? That's great for amplified musicians who can have a large venue, but most of what I do is acoustic, and I really can't imagine moving everything outdoors. Plus, we're in Texas, so summers are hot. Uh, we can't really do outdoor concerts in the winter. You know that. So now that we have like five weeks a year, we can have concerts. No, I mean I'm sure we'll figure out a way to to do it safely, but it's going to be tough. And. Um, when you sit on stage together. So one of my main groups is the Austin Saxophone Ensemble. It's 13 saxophonists, all playing saxophones of different sizes. And the stage that we normally play on is at St. Matthew's Episcopal Church in Austin. Shout out to them. They're an amazing partner and have been so kind to us. And we fan out 13 people on their sort of top altar stage. We're pretty close together. Um, we, we have barely just en- enough room to let our instruments hang by our sides and sort of move naturally when playing. Um, so to socially distance that ensemble is going to be a challenge that I've only begun to start thinking about solving. Um, the, you know, a lot of what we do is also teaching, uh, I teach in band programs. I have lots of private students now, but that depends on there being band programs in schools that students are at that they, from which they want to take lessons from me. Are we going to have band where you have you know, 60 kids sitting next to each other in a room. It's a large room, but you can't wear a face mask when you play a saxophone. Um, that being said, there's like a lot a lot of band people, instruments people are on this, and they're doing a lot of research into um, how bad it might be with, with the wind instrument playing. Um, it seems like not as bad as we thought, but still, you know, a decent risk. I just, you know... I w- there's no gigs for right now which sucks but more than that there's no certainty about how things are going to look in a couple months or in a year like is this even going to be a profession victor um yeah it it will be um i i think you would see maybe a transition to uh, so the issue right now is the quality of streaming right um you know if if you didn't, you know, the, if you didn't compromise the sound, you didn't compromise the video. Um, you would have, you would still have a solid product. Yeah. Right now, right now, the issue is okay. Now everyone is equipped to be able to transmit this type of of multimedia across. Um, it, it's different to for audio, right? But when you're doing high high HD, you know, 4K video, it's it's a lot of a lot of a lot of bytes going uh, across yeah. country. Yeah. And you know, it's it's very interesting. Um, I forgot who I was talking to, but I had a conversation about about this the other day, and I was just saying, well, look, at the end of the day, we're just going to design something. At the end of the day, now that we're going to shift to more of a uh, video conference format, video. Uh, you know, it's not going to be face to face. That's not the shift. There's do you think gonna we're going to see? Do you think we're going to see free broadband internet in this country because of this? Um, no, absolutely not free. No, you, you, uh, or like as a utility have, anyway. Um, you know what? Actually, 
you, that could that could be it could be it could be a utility um it could be everything just kind of intertwined together at one point you know um but i no like I, uh, I just read an article i can't recall the exact country but they had just developed like it was a new type of like a chip it was a new it was a new type of chip and it it set the new record for being able to process information like that that's gonna it, it said something like that's gonna allow like i forgot like 40 it was a ridiculous number 400 4000 gigabytes like per second to be transmitted but it was it was it was like humans humans will always find a way like we mm. the reason why we run the world is because of our ability to adapt so yeah we don't know what's going to come out of this technology wise it's i'm sure you're well, right no, right no well exactly um we're we're now facing a different world we're now even even if if we you know find a vaccine right we let's say we find the vaccine the outbreak possibility still remains you know so now you have to take uh, measures to, in order for that not to happen again and now you even have to have measured for in case it does happen again like okay so let's say it happens again what are we going to do so now that's why you're going to have all this money focused on better video conferencing, better cameras, better microphones. Like, and, and, and I understand like the benefits that this is going to have because it's going to help a lot of a lot of industries keep them alive. But I really don't like the fact that we're going to start more. The, the, the focus is going to be on less face-to-face interaction. Mm-hmm. It's incredibly but, yeah, damaging but, you know, for our. It, but you know humanity. what? Um, you know, I, I'm a person who has not used this type of technology very often. I can, I think maybe eight or nine times I've, I've used this type of technology. But I will say that talking to you in this way, being able to see your face, you being able to see mine, it's it it it's it's definitely different than than talking on the phone. It's different um, than talking on the phone, and it's different from an, a real like in live meeting that you and i would have uh just hanging out but it's a pretty good substitute i would say like you know i said at the top of the podcast that like moving from austin made it hard for us to to uh, see each other as often as we had before i moved right honestly i've seen you more during covid (laughs) by 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 video chat than i have I, i had in the in the previous like three years right 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 and and it's just it just brings to to mind this question like why have we not been doing this the whole time we this techno we're on FaceTime right now this existed before <laughs> we could have been know, talking to each other the whole time and it's just a, you know what it was it, it, you said that the human ingenuity is is unparalleled and it will always come up with something will it be the thing to save us maybe maybe not but it'll there's something coming and it's going to help right uh it was a lack of imagination that that led us to not video call each other why not neither of us thought that even though we had the technology you know what i'll facetime i'll facetime victor um you just say that for family weirdly enough why can't we call all of our friends with with facetime um and now because of the necessity of it we have to like oh yeah we have facetime we should just call each other all the time and so you know there there's definitely good stuff that's that's come out of this and you know there's there's not to be glib about it, I, I can speak from a place of privilege where I'm still got a roof over my head and I've still got income because I'm able to do what I do online. 
I know that not everybody has that. And that's what actually what worries me about moving more, more towards this mode in the future. Like I want to make music, but I don't want to just make music for people who can afford nice mics and fancy home theater setups. And, uh, I don't want people who can make music to be limited to people who can afford nice mics and recording equipment. Like I teach all these students right now and they're playing for me. And we talked about audio quality being a big issue. I have a couple of students who have invested in nice or at least nicer mics. And it's an enormous difference. And most of my students have not. And I'm not going to make them do it because I don't think that's my place to say, you know, that's what you should be spending your money on. I, I've told a couple like, hey, if it's something that you think is a possibility, go for it. It's not necessary, but um, it, 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 it's rough and it's going to be hard to continue this really, really long term if everybody doesn't have access to like pretty decent mic quality. But can you but can you imagine when everybody does, though? But will that so, ever I happen? Mean, I mean, it'll be great, course, but will that ever happen? Well, okay, do okay. So the only reason why this video, this video, uh, the only reason why it's not at the level where it should be, is because we've never really had to rely on this, right? Right. You, you know, meetings, meetings between businessmen still occur with people from other countries flying in, and you know, this whole, you know, you go out to dinner, you know, face to face. This whole, that's just that's the way it is. That's mm. tradition. That's how business is conducted. Um, this te- so there's no reason for this technology to be advanced. It's not required, mm. right? But now that we see this shift, now that we see that yes, this inf- this this is the way, the only way to do things at the moment, right? And then we see that okay, we can do it like this. And if we make this technology better, right? If the audio is better, if the video is better, if if we what what if you just had a screen the size of a mirror, and it was just like like you just, I mean like you're standing right there like I see you like it's it, I mean how how much more comfortable how uh, you know I I think that's that's where we're that's where we're headed um the shift as technology has always been shifting to uh, a type of communication where you have to do the least amount of work right and if you can shift the technology to where you can accomplish everything from your home or from a very mobile, or from a very, uh, where you have so much access and information can be transmitted. Uh, I mean, that's that's where we're going. I mean, that's I think that's I think that's the future. Yeah. Look at and, it. And I'll, you know, I'll be honest with you. You said that you had just started to get some equipment and like really explore the potential. Same with me. I'm I'm a professional musician, and now I have a nice mic. Now. Well, well, yeah, well, well, yeah, well, because because you didn't have to do it. I didn't like have this. to do it. I should have done it. Like it would have it would have been smart to a long time ago, and I could have used it for lots of things, like recording myself at home, creating a home recording studio, right? But think, but think about streaming. this. Think, oh, like, why didn't I ever think that that was an option? Like, I as a as a musician, uh, you, I mean, you you have to like this. Like you, now, because musicians, when they collaborate, are not able to travel. They are now figuring out a ways to do it all. Yeah, you know, do the. I mean, that's this technology has always been there, right? But now people are just like, okay, well, what if, what if I had to do a whole album like this, or what if I had to mm-hmm. do, you know, like this? Like now they're investing the time. Oh, maybe, maybe what? What if I produce my own album? What if I learn how to mm-hmm. use this software? Um, you know, another another thing that has happened, and like you were saying it earlier, you know, a lot of your stuff was canceled, mm. but. 
which is bad. But on the other, you know, on the other side of the coin, now you have all this time to spend with mm. your family. Now you have all this time to pursue other endeavors. Like, uh, t- talk about that. Talk about what 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 has having all this free time, been, you know, meant mean to you. What 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 have you been doing with all this extra time? For me, it's been the family time first and foremost. Um, my daughter is at an absolutely amazing age right now she's we started this whole thing when she was just over two years old and it's i'll tell you what a lot has happened in two months around the world but also in her development two years to two years and three months is an enormous change for her anyway in her abilities for talking and her reasoning like just seeing the way her mind works and seeing the things she's interested in and that she's physically capable of um, how much that's changed in like a really short time. And I'm there for all of it. And yeah, you're right. Uh, it, it, monetarily and for, you know, the, the part of my, my soul and my brain that, that needs to be out there with people that, that I enjoy, that I'm on the same wavelength with, that I'm sharing art with, I'm sharing these emotions with. I'm missing that for sure. But it's a, it's a hell of a tonic to be able to spend so much time with my daughter at this really precious time in her life where she's not pushing me away yet. And she's able to communicate with me the what she thinks. Um, it's it's kind of a sweet spot for me. She hasn't really, I, I, she you know, she told me today my hair was beautiful. For for context, everyone, <laughs> I have a shaved head. There's like I haven't I haven't actually gone after it in a while, so it's like just a little tiny bit long. But it's a it's a buzz basically. <laughs> she's like your hair is beautiful. I'm like, thank you, thank you so much, baby girl. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I want to, uh, I want to, I want to talk to you about something. Uh, so I don't, I don't know if, uh, I'm going to start talking about something, but I, I have, I'm going to wrap it in, into music. So I don't know if you're aware of this thing called, uh, Neuralink, um, created by, uh, you know, Elon Musk, modern mm-hmm. day, the modern day Tesla. Um, essentially, um, he's creating this device that is, uh, you know, installed into your skull and wires are attached to your brain um and it's going to help people who don't like have lost uh, the ability to use their arms or the ability to see or hear so it's going to have all these all these positive you know benefits but you know he was asked like what would this uh, what is this device going to look like like generation 10 right mm. and he he said uh well like uh you know, we'll probably be able to communicate without talking. Um, so I think there will be a point in time where we will, you already see it now where you have these devices that are connected to computers, like a keyboard that can play, you know, different instruments and create different sounds. Mm. What's it going to be like where you get to the point where you're basically just creating music with your mind? And you don't even, <laughs> uh, that, that's pretty trippy, right? Like that, that trippy. would be pretty crazy if, if we got to that point. Um, I, I don't know why. I just, I don't know. I just kind of felt <laughs> like getting your perspective on yeah. that. Um, you know what I, th- what I think it'll be, it, it'll, assuming that, you know, with, with the advancement of this technology that people don't retreat a hundred percent into their own heads because they can just imagine infinite possibilities through the benefits of the Neuralink, um, assuming that they spend at least a little bit of time outside, it would just have to be a competition, right? Musicians yeah. and other entertainers would be competing for entertainment time with what you've got in your brain, which honestly is what is 
the situation now. right now. Your time with your phone, it's not inside your brain, but it's definitely the first thing you pick up when you uh, oh, don't have well, something that else that a, you're doing, right? That's exactly what he said. He said that we are kind of like cyborgs now because the phone is with us at all times, right? Mm-hmm. And and that that's the whole point of this is is this Neuralink. And it was like a point that I was referring to earlier about the the transmission of information. Um, you know, right now, if I if I want to know like what's you know uh, how many people died during World War II, I have to get on my phone. The information will be found as fast as my thumb can move, right? But if we increase that, if somehow I could just think it and figure it out. Mm. then that i mean that's that's the whole that's the next step right like that's the direction you have to go but doesn't that make um, us just incredibly intellectually lazy to not yes. have to not have to spend any effort to find find any answers ever is uh, it sounds like a tragedy to me like that's where the magic is that's where the good stuff is in our lives when we when we get knowledge and pleasure from our own effort and even if it's a small effort like looking something up i mean it's still looking something it's still making a decision that you wanted to know something and you wanted you had the drive you had the desire to do it and if it's just as simple as a thought you you start to blur that line of what what desire and action are it's what's yeah exactly it's almost like uh you're 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 when you rely so much on technology right it it your brain your your brain just doesn't really it's like your brain's not exercising mm. right yeah when you don't have when you don't have to remember anybody's phone number when you when you don't have to remember how to get anywhere because it's just on your gps or uh, your every phone number is memorized by your phone you know yeah like you mm-hmm. and 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 i think it's when you even look at like like mathematics you know people you know using calculators you know relying on that you know this uh all these things that when when i was young you know i i wasn't everything was pen and paper everything was pen and paper you wrote everything down you you know you didn't type any really do any typing until like high school yeah but most of you know a lot of times everything had to be written and uh and that's where that comes in when when you make that fusion with the the computer and the computer basically is going to do all the work right i mean there's there's a palpable difference there's a there's a very measurable difference in learning outcomes when you use a computer versus pen and paper and i would imagine to extrapolate that that it would be the same difference that you would get between the Neuralink and having to punch something in on your phone or type it on your computer because you know so many people are are you know, that whole thing about like some people are kinesthetic learners, some people are auditory learners, and some people are visual right, learners. Right, right. I mean, the truth is that everybody's a mix of the three. You may just be a little more dominant in one than than the others. The act of writing something down as you're learning it is a way to learn it better. Not because you have it written down to refer to later, but because passing the information through neural pathways to get it out of your hand and out of the pencil and onto the page makes you understand it in a different way than simply listening to it did. You know, I'll have my students write something down so often, not because I think they need the note for the next time they play, play the piece of music, although usually it, it is that too, but also because I know that the act of writing it down helps them remember it better. They'll remember it because they wrote it down, not because they can look at it later. 
And we're going to yeah. lose that if we're if it's as simple as a thought. But maybe we won't need it because it's everything is as simple as a thought, right? <laughs> yeah, man. Like, uh, you know, I, that's 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 really far down the line, you know. Um, <laughs> is it? <laughs> yeah, you, you know, uh, I, I saw a, a thing where they're doing some good, some some very interesting work on, uh, re, I mean, research on uh, preventing like aging or like turning back the hands of time. It was something something crazy but that's that's a whole nother tangent uh <laughs> i mean think about the difference in what we're able to do with technology and the internet right between uh 2000 and 2020 2000 we were, oh no we were still in school we were using the internet it was there we did you know school research projects right um but now it's that's not the same internet that was there what we have now is not the same internet that was there then so think about 2040 yeah, no, no, you're right. No, I, uh, yeah, we might, we, no, you know what? We will, we will, we will <laughs> see, you know, we, you, you think we've already seen some crazy stuff now. Oh uh, yeah, you're right. 20 years from now, 30 years from, I mean, 30 years from now, what I'll be 64. I mean, that's, that's still, you know, I'm, I'll, you know, hopefully being still, you know, good shape and still be able to enjoy the world and, you know, get out there. And hopefully by then, you know, you can, I can grow myself a new lung and, New kidney and there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be good to go. Well, Sunil, I um, you know, I I, I have to go now. Um, I, you know, thanks again for coming on, brother. Um, I really yeah, enjoyed our conversation. Absolutely, always, um, anytime. This is a a real treat to to chat about this kind of stuff. Uh, it's um, you know, hope hope uh, hope it was illuminating in at least some small way. Just trying to. Shed some light on my little corner of the planet. What I do over here. Absolutely, everybody's got Absolutely. their story, right? Yes, sir. And 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 uh, just to give our, our our viewers a heads up, if if you're looking for, you know, and, in, and and actually now that you're doing your your lessons through through video, you can now reach out to anyone in the world. You know, I got I got Hit listeners in the U, I got listeners in the UK. I got listeners in New Zealand. So guys, if you if you want an incredible teacher. Um, I believe it's sunilgadgill.com. That's right. Your your website. So, you know, check him out. Uh, his information is on there. And, uh, you know, um, say, uh, you know, Slick sent you and uh, he'll give you a good deal. I will. I will. <laughs> the best deal. There you go. There you go. All right, man. Uh, give give my best to the wife, man. Uh, give, give a hug to Maya for me. And, uh you know, I look forward to talking to you again. I know we 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 uh we said we're going to do more of the the group the group FaceTime calls. Something it's something that we should have been, yeah, something we should have been doing the whole time. But you know what? Uh, we're here now. We're here now. Exactly. Exactly. Taking advantage of the moment. Absolutely. All right, man. Good talking right. to you, brother. Bet. Nice to talk to you. All right. All right, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, keep on listening, and uh, you have a good one.